today we're going to do part two of my series called Bulletproof. And I spoke last week, I started with understanding of a, a bulletproof vest. Um, will stop a bullet from killing you, and, uh, but there's still some pain involved from what I can see for those who get shot. And uh, to live a bulletproof life or an unoffendable life, it's the same. I, I believe that if you can do life God's way, uh, you might have the arrows of offence come. It might hurt a little bit, but it's not going to take you out. Um, so if we understand the, the plan of God, then we can live unoffendable lives. That means we, we deal with our, our hurt, our, our unforgiveness, our disappointments in life. Uh, and if we don't, we get into serious trouble. I know that offence is easily taken and predictably common. In other words, by living on the planet, you're not going to avoid getting offended, upset, disappointed by something or somebody. It's going to happen. And if you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. Uh, it's as common as, and as painful as falling off a fence. So therefore, we must learn how in this world that we live in, how to keep our soul in the best condition so we can bring hope and not anger to the world. We can bring love and not grief to the world. So we're gonna be in the right place. Uh, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says this. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Uh, if, you, if you don't have control of your, your, your soul, you're like a city that has no walls. And that means a couple of things. It means you're vulnerable. You're open to attack. There's no defense mechanisms in place. You, you haven't got the chance of resisting the enemy. They'll come on you like a prowler in the night. There's no walls up. And if our spirit and soul are not in good condition, we're like that city. Uh, you become easy to plunder from. The enemy will steal your faith, your joy, your love, your potential, and even your relationships. And resisting without walls, if you're always on that conscience, constant place of resisting without the walls of God around your life, uh, it's easy to get discouraged, depressed, and wounded. And be assured <laughs> that a predator's favourite day is when they find a wounded prey. When, when a lion gets up to go hunting in the morning and he walks out and sees a wounded gazelle, that's his praise God moment. That means it's easy to get. Once they're wounded, they're easy to get. Uh, sharks have got a, an inane sense to smell blood at a certain distance if a, if a fish is wounded. As a matter of fact, they're so wired that if the, the rhythm of the fish is going the wrong way, they know it's wounded and it attracts them to them. In other words, if you are a wounded Christian, you're, uh, you've now got a target on your back and the enemy will look you up because he'd rather fight somebody who's wounded than somebody who's strong. I remember Lee and I snorkeling a number of years ago in Fiji and I've um, surfed all of my life, so I've seen a number of sharks in the water. Um, Lee had it, and this particular time, we were um, snorkeling in Fiji, uh, we were down looking at some coral, and then this shark uh, came towards us this way. Um, I, I didn't see it at first, I, I only knew it was there because Lee screamed, um, really, which is really hard to do underwater, to scream loudly. And uh, I looked up and there was a shark. She's really worried and panicking. And I go to the surface, I said, hun, calm down. Don't make too many splashing noises, um, movements. We don't want to attract him. And, and, and there was a rock like sticking out of the water. So I backed, let's just sit here. He'll go away, it'll be okay. Um, anyway, she was there going, I can't do this. I, I, I've got to go. And you know, sometimes in your relationship with your wife, she doesn't listen to you. I know it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes it does happen. 
It was one of those same moments um, when Lee was giving birth to our first daughter, Becky, our only daughter, Becky, and um, I was trying to help her through the process, and I'd been to all the prenatal classes, so I was an expert, um, and, and, and so I'm trying to help her breathe. Slow down, breathe in, breathe out. She's giving birth, and I still remember this day, she looks at me, points that finger up and says, shut up and keep up with me. I said, yes, ma'am. It was one of those moments. I'm not staying here. And, and I said, don't, no, don't. And she just dove into the water and started swimming madly towards the shore. I'm going, no. Anyway, she, she didn't listen. I had nothing I could do. So I, I sat back against the rocks and thought, well, I'll be safe. <laughs> and she's still here. Good. So I think the shark got more of a fright and a scream than anything else. Anyway. The point being is that the enemy looks for wounded prey and a city without walls not only is vulnerable, um, but is in a constant state of turmoil, confusion and uh, distrust. There's no rest or peace there. And that's how people become when their, their spirit or their soul has been damaged by the world around them. They become anxious and fearful. Um, you, you're driven by emotions rather than uh, information, driven by emotions rather than what you believe. It's like, it's like being in a really big old house by yourself. You know, if you're in a big old house and you've got a bunch of people, no one hears every noise. You don't hear anything. But when you're by yourself and you... It's a creaking noise and the wind's blowing through that. Bang! And um, just for those that are falling asleep. Um, and, 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 and you're on the edge. And that's how people with damaged souls live. They, they live in a state of flux and fearful and they live by their emotions. Can I tell you that when your external world speaks louder than your belief system, you're out of control. When out here speaks louder to you than what you believe, you're out of control. Now, getting control or keeping control over our spirit and our soul and living unoffended puts us in a position of power. That's why God's so much uh, in Scripture about uh, unforgiveness and disappointment and how to get on as believers, because without it, we are become powerless and vulnerable. But if we, we find our spot and we find the God walls to put around our lives, we become not like the city without uh, no walls, but let's have a look at what we're like. Proverbs 16, verse 32. Now we're like this. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is more powerful than he who takes a city. So all of a sudden, when you've got control over your inner world, you're now more powerful than he that takes a city. So there's an important perspective here for God wanting us to live at a level of being unoffendable and bulletproof Christians. Uh, I, I, I've, and this is why, um, you know, Jesus, I spoke about it last week, he asked Peter uh, an incredible question. Uh, and he said, Peter, how many times <laughs> should you forgive somebody? And, and you and I, well, well, we sort of know that, but you don't understand, back in the day pre-Jesus, their, their forgiveness pattern was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was their forgiveness pattern. That's what they believed. So there was, there was no sense of forgiveness. So when, Peter, when Jesus asked Peter how many times, Peter's, he's thrown. He's going, what the heck are you talking about? Um, somebody uh, hurt you, you hurt them back. And anyway, he feels that the, Jesus was after more than that as an answer. So he pushes himself. He thinks one time, forgive somebody once, yeah, twice maybe, three. And he gets, all right, I've got it. <laughs> I've got it. I know where you're going with this, Jesus, seven times. And Jesus looked at him and said, you know what, Pete, you're not even close. He said, try 70 times seven. 
In other words, it doesn't stop. This is your way to live as I've called you to live. And it starts with the forgiveness of sins. And I find that so interesting that when we decide to believe in Jesus, right? We say, you know what? There is a God. Jesus is the Son of God. And I wanna believe upon Him. And the Bible says this. It says, if you believe upon Jesus, you shall be saved. Saved out of your past and into your future. But the dynamic of salvation is that when you say yes to Jesus, the first thing that He does is forgive you of your sins. It's the beginning of the healing process. The first thing he does is I forgive you of all the things that have happened to you. I forgive you of all the things you've done wrong. He's, the Bible says it like this, that I will, I, I will forgive you of every sin, every failure, every mistake and remember them no more. It's the platform for the beginning of healing for the human soul. And maybe here today, you couldn't honestly say, Mark, you know, I'm a believer in Jesus. Maybe you've never made that decision, t- taken that step. Well, today, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. Or maybe you, grow, grow, you grew up like that and life got around you and you went down a different pathway and you left God behind, whatever. And I wanna promise you today, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, God is not angry, He's not mad at you. He's still waiting for you to come back. And I'd like to right now give you opportunity, right in this moment in the service, give opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus. So whatever you close their eyes, bow their heads for a moment. If you say in your heart, you know what, I'm not a real believer and I need to be or I wanna be or I wanna come back and recommit my life. I wanna make sure that heaven is my destination. I, I wanna believe upon Jesus today. That's your beginning. Your sins will be forgiven. Your hurts will start to get healed. Now that's you, I'd love to pray. I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I'd love to pray with you right where you're seated today. So if that's you, would you slip your hand up? Give me a wave and say, you know what? Include me in this moment. Thank you down the front. That's a great decision here. Others today, if that's you, slip your hand up. Give me a wave and say, you know what? Include me in that prayer, in that moment, because something supernatural is gonna take place. I'm looking from the front to the back, from the left to the right. One more time as I just make sure my eyes are searching. Every, I don't wanna miss anybody. I wanna pray for everybody that wants to do this right now. So look, one more time. Any more people say, you know what? Thank you in the middle there. That's a great decision there as well. Thank you at the back, sir. I see your hand. Great decision. Lord, as I looked, I saw hands, but it's not what you saw. God, you saw hearts, the hearts of your people, your loving creation. And right now they've decided to respond and say yes to you. God, I know some great things are gonna take place deep within their hearts. They'll be born again or made alive to God. And God, you'll touch them and heal them and help them into their future. I know that heaven rejoices when even one One comes back, so I know heaven is rejoicing for these people, and so do we here in City Point Church. In Jesus' name, and all that agreed said, amen Amen and amen. Let's give it up for those great people, great decisions. Uh, If you lifted your hand, or maybe you didn't get all the way up, you're still, hey, uh, it's just not the end, it's the beginning of something amazing. We wanna help you build what God's called you to be. Online, let us know, we can help you as well. Uh, but keep being around the people of God, be in the house of God, listen to the preaching, grab a Bible if you haven't got one in the lounge, we can give you one there. Let somebody know how we can help you in your next step on this journey. Don't do it alone. Uh, that was a yes decision for you, but now we all join together and God's got a great plan for every one of you. Forgiveness is the beginning of being healed and whole in our hearts. And then Paul goes on and tells us in Colossians chapter three, verse 12 through 15, he says, therefore as the elect of God, is talking to the church, holy and beloved, 
put on tender mercies, put on kindness, put on humility, put on meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do, you, must, you also must do. Uh, but these things put in love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God, you see, when you do all these things, then the peace of God can rule in your heart, to which also you are called into one body and be thankful. So right now, I'll look at some keys. And uh, I want you to be better than the last uh, service and remember them. All right? So I'm going to just give you a brief thing of what it's going to go, and I'll be testing at the end. First, we're going to talk about don't nurse, don't curse, don't rehearse, but disperse, and then God can reverse. Easy, isn't it? You would think people would remember them. Kids' church would. We'll see. So let's start with the, the practical solutions to keeping our soul in good condition. And let's start with the first one, don't nurse. In other words, don't hold on to your pain, all right? Start to deal with it. Don't, don't keep just saying, well, it's mine, I've got to have it. You know, as Pentecostals, to some, faith is not admitting or addressing they have any problems. It's almost like if they admit they've got a problem or they admit they're in pain or sick, uh, they, they, they're not, they've got no faith. And so they become the great pretenders. And it's a sad place to be when you're the great pretender. When you, you go to somebody, um, you're hurt. You're hurt. No, I, I'm, I'm healed. There's blood all over you. No, there's not. It's a sad thing when people can't see. You're sick. No, I'm not. You're in an ambulance. No, I'm not. There's a fine line between faith and fantasy. And faith never determines that nothing will go wrong in your life. Faith determines that God will fix it in your life. As a matter of fact, it's when you start to acknowledge your need, the transformation starts to come. You don't get saved until you first realize you are lost. That's when you get saved. You don't reach out for help or healing unless you first say, you know what, I'm sick. So we've got to make sure we don't nurse or hold on to the pain that life has thrown at us. Um, uh, otherwise, it's going to keep messing us up and keep us out of the plan that God has for us. I've seen people hold on to their story of their hurts uh, because it became their self-image. They felt that everybody needed to know how much pain they've been through. And so they always are people feeling sorry for them and acceptance. But the trouble is, if you delve in that and keep nursing your pain, disappointment, unforgiveness, all those things, you go from fake to fragile. And now you're in a dangerous position and the enemy is spotting people that don't get healed. Don't nurse your mess, your offense. Let Jesus heal. The Bible says, cast your cares upon him. Don't you hold on to them? Cast. The second one is don't curse. All right, don't curse. In other words, don't get angry at the pain life has thrown at you. Somebody upsets you and you're trying to be Christian and you're trying to forgive them and you're going, oh God, I forgive them, but I hope the plagues of Egypt come on generation upon generation upon generation in Jesus' name. Don't, don't curse or speak out your pain over people. And, and, and don't write people off or the church off, or God off if something goes wrong in your life. Right? Don't curse things. Because curse, cursing, what it does, when you curse things, it drives you into isolation. And if you do life alone, you will grow weak and you will grow weird. All right, so it's important we don't curse. Um, 
I, I, I will never trust anybody again. No, 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 no. You gotta make sure that we're not that person. You, you don't have to trust a person, but don't give up on people. God has called us to people. You will get disappointed by people. And, and you start blaming people. When you start cursing, it's also about oh, them. Can I tell you, don't blame anything. Whatever you blame, you give power to. If you blame the devil, you're saying he's more powerful than God. If you blame your past, you're saying that's more powerful than the Christ that's in you now. Whatever you blame, you give power. You're saying, I'm a victim. I'm a servant to that thing. You can't, do not. Men, I tell, do not blame your wives. They already have enough power. You don't have to give them more. Don't blame your wives. Don't blame. Sure, somebody has let you down, but trust somebody anyway. And I'm not saying you go back to the point of pain, but I am saying don't give up on people. God's called us to love people. And uh, forgive them in your heart, those that hurt you, but move away from them. Make sure you get help. Uh, We're called to live in this world, and often it's a lot of second chances that need to happen in people's lives. And uh, even though people let us down, uh, you've got to still trust God and people, right? Don't curse people. Don't curse the church. Don't curse God. Has anybody else ever been taken for a ride because you were being generous and nice to somebody besides me? No, I, I remember I was just a brand new believer and I went to a Christian conference in Melbourne and uh, my first conference, I was high as a kite. I was so excited about Jesus. And we're walking back to the hotel. We walk past this old pub, and there's a girl, maybe 15, sitting on the steps there. And she's crying, and she looks dirty and, and horrible. And she stops. She said, can you help me? And I said, well, what do you want? She said, I, I just need some money. I haven't eaten for a few days, and I live on the streets. And, um, and I said, yeah, I can do something. So I reached into my wallet, this is back in 84, maybe 83, and I gave her $20, which is quite a bit of money back then. And, uh, and I'm feeling really good about God and life. Hey, look, I want to bless you. <laughs> she gets up, she walks back into the pub and says, hey guys, I've got another 20, my shout. And uh, I stood there going, what the heck? <laughs> like, what? I just, oh, it's con tricks. I've got a little smarter now. But every now and then it's still... You know what I've decided? Not so hard to lose a little bit. Because what I don't want to do is have my heart damaged by that. I, I, I don't want to be controlled or, or moved by that so I don't help anybody else. And it's so important that we, we don't curse people. We don't curse the act of goodness. We don't curse, people let us, does any, has anybody ever let you down? Again, I know it's just me. And, and, and Christians let you down. You know, I think like if you want to be a volunteer in the, in, in the church or a leader or a pastor, it's like going into a war zone. And all you're doing is, as a medic, you're just trying to help people. And the enemy's shooting it, they're trying to kill you. And, and then the Christians shoot you because they're just really bad shots. So you've got this deal and you've got to learn to forgive and learn to, it was like playing paintball with the youth group. I'm sure I was shot more by my team in the back and I was on the team at the front. So there's got to be this sense of you've got to have thick skins and soft hearts and learn not to curse, but to trust God and forgive and trust again. And then don't rehearse it. <laughs> don't, don't just play it over and over again in your mind. 
all right? Go over and over the same thing, just letting it, because when you go over things that hurt you or should have worked better, you're, it, it's just making it deeper in your soul. It's my, it's my tip when I'm playing golf and I've had a bad hole. Mark, let it go. Don't keep going over that last shot that went 20 meters past the hole. Don't keep going, no, don't keep going, stop, stop, because I've got to have a fresh start for the new season ahead. And in life, it's the same. And many people get caught in the trap of replay. They replay their pain, their disappointment over and over again, and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And then when it gets so strong, you've got to tell somebody. So now, not only do you got a fence, you've passed it on. It's not, it's not like a sexually transmitted disease, it's a spiritually transmitted disease. Now you've got other people on your side, offended for you, and they're looking and going, you're right, they're terrible people, they shouldn't have done that. All of a sudden there's this lynch mob, crucify him. Sound familiar? The thing is that sometimes we get it right here because it was a mistake, and then we've got 10 other groups of people still hating that person because we've passed it on. Don't rehearse it. Hush those lips, bridle that tongue, set your mind in order. Your words create life or death. In the book of James, it says, if we can control our tongue, we will control our spirit. Don't rehearse it. Don't keep going over and over. Proverbs 29, 11 says this. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. A fool yells it out makes people feel sorry for them. A fool is the one, but a wise man controls his feelings. Now, in saying this, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk to somebody. I'm saying, let's make sure who we talk to. So I'm not saying don't talk about it, don't get counseled, that's the next point. So don't rehearse it, don't rehearse it to people that can't help you, but the next point is disperse it. We can now disperse it, all right? So what we don't do is we don't nurse, we don't curse, we don't reverse, what do we do? We disperse it. Talk to somebody that can help you. Talk to somebody that has your heart and the ability to take you on the right path. Not to somebody who's gonna go and, and cause a war on your behalf, get wise counsel, or maybe a thought, go to God. Just a thought. Go to God. Speak to Him about it. Talk about Him. Let's give it to Him. Forgive. No, they don't deserve it. It's not about whether they deserve it or not. Forgiveness is not for their issues, it's for mine. If I want my heart in good condition, I've got to learn to forgive. If you do not forgive, the person you don't forgive doesn't make it any worse for them, it just makes it worse for you. So forgiveness is an important part of getting our soul in the right place. All right, forgive those, cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. Go to God. Move out of harm's way, but forgive. And I find a really good way to disperse it is to be others orientated, not just stuck on myself, that I keep that sense of I'm called to be generous and kind. Proverbs 17 verse 25 says this, the generous soul will be made rich and the one who waters or gives him of themselves will be watered as well. There's this sense of that if you wanna keep your soul in good condition, then don't stop doing Good. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Because it rebuilds the walls of your soul. It keeps you from being offended. Galatians chapter six, verse nine and 10 says this, and let us not grow 
weary. Don't get tired of doing good. Don't give up on it. Don't stop. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. It doesn't matter how bad life has been or how good life has been. Don't grow weary while doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. In other words, it's all talking about the condition of our soul. So now that we've dispersed it, God can... We are... Well, you did better than the fast first service. I had none. It was crickets. God can reverse it. If you disperse, listen to this, God can. You know what reversing is? It's an intercept. It's when it's going really bad one way. It's like New South Wales are right down on our try line. They're about to score the winning try. And as they do their last pass, Cobbo from the wing steals it, intercepts it, runs 100 metres the other way and puts it down under the post and Queensland wins again. Prophecy right there. It's an intercept. And that's what God can do when we disperse it and give it to Him. We put the ball in His hands. And then He can run the 100 metres and put it under the goalposts. So what happens is God is an expert at taking what was meant for evil and turning it to good when we understand the power of not cursing, not rehearsing, and not rever- and letting, whatever it was. <laughs> cursing, rehearsing, nursing. Nursing. God is good at bringing dead things back to life. Look, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it says this. But as for you, you meant evil against me. See, and that's what happened. Some people meant evil against you, but God meant it for good. You see, what was meant for evil, God turns and uses for good. He takes the sick and He makes them well. He takes the broken and makes them whole. He takes weakness and He turns it to strength. God is willing and able to reverse our situation, our heart condition, our soul, our mind, He is ready to rebuild and strengthen the walls of your spirit. So we live unoffendable, bulletproof Christian lives. What we don't wanna bring to the generation is pain and fear and loss. We wanna bring hope and salvation and love. And the way we do that is we keep our soul in a good condition. And the most important thing I've learned is to listen, listen to and believe what God says about me. To listen to and believe what God says about me. Can I finish with that today? Is that today, if you want to see the healing of God around your life and the strength to be able to handle the arrows of offence that come your way, know what God says about you and believe what He says.